Welcome back, everyone, to Kindled, a faith podcast. I hope you all enjoyed episode one last week where we got to hear Laura's testimony. That was really powerful and something I really enjoyed. If you haven't listened to episode one, I encourage you to do it either before or after you listen to episode two. And we invite you to like our page on Facebook at The Kindled Podcast. And follow us on Instagram at Kindled Podcasts. We share scriptures and things that have to do with the show and announcements about special episodes. And we really appreciate any little bit of support we get. So if you'd like to give us a good rating on whatever platform you're listening or share with your friends and family, we'd love to have more people join the Kindled community. Again, I'm your host, Darby. And this week in this episode, it'll just be me. And since I'm not perfect, this episode is not perfect, but in truth, no episode of Kindled will ever be perfect. But I hope you'll have an open heart and spirit to receive what I felt like the Lord placed on my heart to say, and that you can gain something from it. So all this past week, I studied and prayed about callings and ministry, and I received brand new revelations, or at least they were new to myself and my own understanding. So I hope that if anything, this episode inspires you to seek out your own new revelation and your own new understanding in the word and in prayer. And let's get our fire kindled. In today's episode, I'm going to be exploring three questions. Number one, what is a calling? Number two, what happens when God calls us? And number three, how do I pursue my calling? So starting with what is a calling or what is our calling? Ephesians chapter four, verse one says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. In the Amplified, it says, I therefore, the prisoner for the Lord, appeal to and beg you to walk, lead a life worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called, with behavior that is a credit to the summons to God's service. Now, in the King James Version, it says that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. The Greek word there that means vocation, excuse my pronunciation, is klesis. This means an invitation of a figurative sense. So our calling is a supernatural invitation that only God can give and extend to become someone new. It's our invitation to be born again of the Spirit. It's one of, if not the first, encounters that we have with God's love. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you are saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is the gift of God. That's amplified. None of us deserve the calling that we're extended. None of us do anything that will ever make us worthy of the second chance that we get to be born again, to be new creatures in Christ. It's our adoption gift from the Father. Later in Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says that God takes us on as his handiwork. God is not one who procrastinates, abandons, or half-heartedly works on that which he starts. When God calls us, there's a supernatural shift. There's a decision that has to be made to determine where we are going next. 
Matthew 22 and 14 says, For many are called, invited, and summoned, but few are chosen, meaning few are going to choose to accept God's call. From the moment that God calls us, we are faced with a decision. Are we going to stay in the darkness that we are currently in, burdened and blinded by sin, or will we receive his cleansing light? The call that we receive from God is an individual invitation for our eyes to be open to see his kingdom, to be a part of his will. We often mistake our calling for our ministry. The invitation that God extends, should we choose to accept it, is the beginning of a new person, a life free from condemnation and the law of sin and death. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 where he says, In which at one time you walked habitually, you were following the course and fashion of this world, were under the sway of the tendency of this present age, following the prince of the power of the air, you were obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience, the careless, the rebellious, and the unbelieving who go against the purposes of God. God opens our eyes to see that that is the place that we're in, and then extends his hand of mercy to pull us out of it. Our calling is so much more than just a position or a title in the church. It's a life-altering change in who we are and where we're going. When we accept, we give up who we are to gain who we can become. We begin a life of righteousness or repentance, light instead of dark, good instead of evil, joy instead of sorrow, truth instead of lies, peace instead of anxiety, and we surrender everything that we are and everything that we have the potential to be to the one who can mold us. Now, we've accepted this glorious invitation that's been extended to us, and what do we do next? Mark three thirteen through 14 says, And he goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him, and he ordained twelve, that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach. Those verses tell us that he called unto him whom he would and ordained them, that they should, number one, be with him, and number two, that he might send them forth to preach. So we accept the call, and our relationship with the Lord begins. We are to spend time with him so that we know him, and consequently, we will know the word that we are to preach to the world. John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The more time spent getting to know him and who he is and his word, the greater understanding we will have of the word and the message we are to share with others. Those two things are at the very core of, as Paul says in Ephesians, walking, leading a life worthy of the divine calling to which we have been called, developing, maintaining, and growing in the relationship that we begin with God the day we accept his calling is part of that behavior that Paul was talking about in Ephesians chapter 4. What it all boils down to are those two key things right there. And how could we not want to? Not only has he placed the hunger in our hearts to want to know him and his word more, but the more fervently that I seek after him, the more my eyes, mind, heart, and spirit are open to the love that surrounds me. Now, that's not to say that we will be perfect and do it all right on the first try or even the second or the third, but Romans chapter 11 verse 29 says, For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them when once they are given, and he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. 
Isn't that such a beautiful thing to have such a security in knowing that the one who called you will never abandon you, never expect you to do it all on your own, or never leave you without his grace? Life after accepting the call will not always be what we expect. By our standards, it won't be easy. But I was once told that if you live for God hard, it's easy. If you give it your all, if you surrender every part of you. And Romans 8.28 says, We are assured and know that God, being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitted into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and his purpose. Bishop Chester Wright once said that we all have unique spiritual DNA and there is no one else who can fill our place in the kingdom. There are people who can and will be brought into the kingdom who will be given the opportunity to decide to accept the invitation that has been extended to them. Would you be more likely to live worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, knowing that your decision could be the reason why someone else even gets an invitation? There are people and places that only you can meet and be in, and there are gifts and ministries that God has equipped you with to minister to those people's needs. So accepting the invitation that has so graciously been extended to us, we are grafted in and adopted to become part of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 27 says, Now you collectively are Christ's body and individually you are members of it, each part severally and distinct, each with its own place and function. Our ministries are what's birthed as a result of having an intimate relationship with God. I think many times we ask, Lord, what's my calling? But really what we're meaning to ask is what is my ministry? How are you wanting to use me? We read Ephesians chapter 4 where the word talks about the fivefold ministry and we want to know where we fit in that puzzle. But really, I'm not sure God can give us a definitive answer to that question because we're not limited to one. We start developing our relationship with the Lord and we want to know what we're supposed to be doing and we want to know how to make him happy, as you do with anyone who you love. But the truth is, he won't tell us everything from the start because he knows, and if we're honest with ourselves, we know as well, that we wouldn't believe him. Isaiah 55, 8-11 tells us that his thoughts are not like ours and his ways are not like ours. We're not able to comprehend every ministry and every capacity that God has planned to use us in. Our carnal mind would not be able to grasp it all at once. And even if it could, it would be like giving our flesh advance notice on when to get in the way. Now that's not to say that he won't tell us anything, because he will. He leads us day by day and step by step, building the foundation of our relationship and trust in him, and activating our faith to grow with that trust. Trust is a requirement in our relationship with the Lord. We trust in his plans for the finished work, even when he doesn't allow us to see them. But we can and we should ask, as James chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 7 both advise, ask our Father which art in heaven, the creator and the all-knowing God, and we are promised that he will answer us. The Lord will give us a desire and a passion for certain ministries at certain points in our life and go off of that desire and that passion. Tell the Lord, I'm feeling a desire to work in Sunday school. I'm feeling a desire to be on the praise team. I'm feeling a desire to be a missionary. I'm feeling a desire to dot dot dot. And pray about it. Read about that ministry in the word. Talk to your bishop or spiritual authority about it. The Lord wants to use you if you want to be used. 
2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 5 says, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. We are to prove our ministry, just as the apostles did in Mark chapter 6, and prove that you've accepted the call. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit that every child of God should bear that is proof that they've accepted the invitation that they receive from the Lord. The Bible tells us that God is no respecter of persons. Is it so hard for us to trust that the one who formed us by hand and breathed life into us knows exactly what he's doing through us and where he needs us for the fulfillment of his own kingdom come? He knows us better than we know ourselves. Is it worth the possibility of you not being saved or even someone else waiting on you for a seemingly more glamorous ministry? I think many times the devil can try and get us fixated on one specific position or title that our flesh might deem more glamorous or desirable than the ministry that God has us currently working in. But is it worth the possibility of not being saved to ask to be something or someone that God didn't have you designed to be? We don't see everything that goes into the ministries around us. The heartache, the sacrifice, the valleys they walked through for six months, or the work that was put in. But as a member of the body, your ministry is necessary. It is crucial for everything else to be able to work. It's kind of like a puzzle. Every piece being exactly in its place is the only way in which the entire picture comes together. If you're feeling confused about your ministry, pray for clarity. If you're feeling unimportant, Pray that the Lord love other people through you to remind you why he called you in the first place. If you're feeling lost, surrounded by a sea of darkness, trust in the steps that are already ordered before you. And always remember the root of it all, the moment that God sought you and gave you your call. I pray that today's episode inspires you to rekindle that first love that you had when your relationship with the Lord began and to fervently pursue the ministry that God has placed before you. And of course, to pray. Ask your bishop, ask your hyphen leader, your youth leader, whoever your spiritual authority might be, and do all that you can to keep that fire from your first love with him, burning through every season and every ministry. I hope you all enjoyed episode two of Kindled, and that something that was said today spoke to your spirit. And I challenge you to seek out your own answers to these questions for yourself, and seek out the promises that are given to those who accept their call. I love you all, I pray for you, and I hope that this word kindled your fire for God that much more. Now go and seek in Jesus' name 